Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about light skin privilege and colorism. And this is actually going to be a response to an episode of MTV's Decoded with Francesca Ramsey. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's been a while since we did one of those. And this response actually was requested by someone who sent me the original MTV video. And by the way, if you guys ever see something out there that you want to hear me respond to, feel free to send it to me on Twitter at the Lauren Chen. Just write me a little tweet. Tag me. But before we get into it, some of you at this point might be wondering what the heck is colorism because that's not a term that we hear all too often. Well, to explain colorism and how it differs from racism, allow me to present to you this clip from a different episode of MTV Decoded that focuses on colorism in the Latinx community specifically. Racism involves discrimination based on things such as skin color, but it's also dependent on power dynamics that become perpetuated by years of structural oppression. Black and Latino men getting longer sentences for the same crime as white men? Racism. Black and Latino aunts telling you to date light-skinned men? Colorism. Because we often conflate race with skin color, sometimes distinguishing between colorism and racism can get tricky, particularly in Latin American communities, where someone's heritage might include a combination of indigenous, black, and white European ancestry. Okay, so aside from the fact that no racism is not dependent on having systemic power to enforce your prejudices, individuals of any race can be prejudiced and therefore racist against individuals of any other race. Basically, what I gathered from that episode as well as perusing woke Twitter is that racism usually applies to different races being prejudiced against each other, like a black person against a Chinese person or a white person against a black person. But colorism, on the other hand, would be showing preference for one person over another because they have lighter skin, even though both people come from the same race. If that makes sense. For example, racism would be, I don't want to hire any black candidates, whereas colorism would be, there are two black applicants, I'ma hire the lighter skinned one. In the world of pop culture, darker skinned women have frequently gotten the short end of the success stick. Just consider the most successful black female singers in the last decade. You could probably come up with dozens of names, including Alicia Keys, Sierra, Mariah Carey, Janine Aiko, and of course, Beyonce. But can you name even five deeply melanated female pop stars? Essentially the whole premise behind this video is that lighter-skinned black people are more accepted and promoted in the media than darker-skinned black people. And if you just go off that list that Francesca provided, I think you might be inclined to say, yeah, it does seem like light-skinned black people are getting all the attention, but I just don't think things are that simple. Number one, there are successful deeper-skinned black musicians out there. You have people like Azalea Banks, or however you say it, and Little Kim plus Missy Elliott, which brings us to the second issue I have with this, which is that categorizing and ranking people based on their skin lightness is a not that easy and b also kind of weird. What I mean is that later on in this video Francesca mentions both Nicki Minaj and Rihanna as examples of light-skinned black women. But if you actually look at pictures of them it seems as if they, like anyone else, have skin tones that can be perceived as being lighter or deeper depending on the lighting, maybe what makeup they're wearing, or what clothes they have on. To be fair Francesca herself does mention that the term light skin is relative but still, I think by trying to have a discussion about light skin privilege, which begins with categorizing people into either light skinned or not light skinned categories, we're kind of almost enforcing divisions among skin tone by, you know, testing and separating people based on skin tone. And the third issue I have with picking a bunch of light-skinned black people and then saying, look, light-skinned black people are having all the successes, is that most black people living in the United States are actually part white and therefore more likely to be lighter skinned than a black person who is actually from Africa. It's been estimated that the average African-American is anywhere from 16 to 24% European. Realistically speaking, there are just 
quite a few, a good amount of light-skinned Black people in the United States. So seeing them be successful in different industries doesn't really tell us much in and of itself. From Lena Horne, the first Black actress to sign a major studio deal, to Halle Berry, the first Black actress to win a Best Actress Academy Award, lighter-skinned and often mixed-race women have usually broken through society's biggest barriers first. Now this isn't to say they weren't hardworking or didn't deserve it, but Black people with lighter skin, straighter hair, and more Eurocentric features have always been more likely to be given the paltry number of opportunities to access white spaces and institutions. This is the reality, but why? Now this clip was the part of the video that really convinced me yeah, I need to respond to this because it perfectly exemplifies the left's obsession with having a privilege slash oppression hierarchy. While most people would look at Halle Berry winning an Oscar and say what an amazing achievement way to break down barriers and show that historical roadblocks to black people are being chipped away, a progressive identitarian who's also into intersectionality would look at the same situation and say this is just another example of lighter skinned people having privilege over darker skinned people. You see this is where the purity spiraling starts to begin because we're no longer asking ourselves is a black person winning an Oscar, we're talking about is a black enough person winning an an Oscar. And frankly, as someone who is biracial, half Chinese, half white, I think I'm especially aware of this kind of thinking because, and I don't mean to sound like an SJW here, but it is used so often to delegitimize and marginalize the experiences of lighter skinned and multiracial people. As someone who is light skinned and a lot of people would say white passing, whenever I talk about the fact that I don't believe systemic racial discrimination is a huge problem in the West, I'm always told that my opinion doesn't count or is irrelevant because I have light skin privilege or passing privilege. Which is kind of frustrating because for someone who apparently has all the same privileges as a white person, it seems like whenever someone wants to attack me, one of the first things they go after is the fact that I am Chinese. The far left calls me an Uncle Chan, the far right calls me a mongrel, and that's all in addition to the sprinkling of Chun-Li's that I get. And although Francesca made a point to say that light skin privilege doesn't invalidate the hard work that light skin people like Halle Berry had to put into their careers, which I appreciate. Other people aren't so nuanced when it comes to the issue. I get told all the time that the only reason I have an audience is that people either think that I'm white or they're using me as a token for diversity. And the thing here is that I'm not trying to dismiss everything Francesca is saying because I do think that colorism or having a preference for lighter skin is a real thing, which we'll get to in just a second. It's just that this whole conversation surrounding light skin privilege, in my opinion, currently serves to demonize light skin minorities, just like the conversation surrounding white privilege right now demonizes white people. A 2011 study conducted in North Carolina found out that of the over 12,000 African-American women prisoners, light-skinned women were sentenced to 12% less prison time than darker ones. Or consider the fact that according to a Harvard University study, dark-skinned blacks in the United States have lower socioeconomic status, more punitive relationships with the criminal justice system, diminished prestige, and less likelihood of holding elective office compared with their lighter counterparts. So regarding the first study that Francesca mentioned about light-skinned women getting less prison time than dark-skinned women, I actually looked it up and I'm pretty sure that I found the specific piece of research that she was talking about. To be honest, I didn't actually read the whole thing because from the looks of it, I would have had to have signed up and then requested it and maybe paid for it. It would have just 
in this whole thing. But from the abstract of that study, we can see that, quote, the analysis examined how perceived skin tone assessed by correctional officers related to maximum prison sentence and actual time served for over 12,000 black women imprisoned in North Carolina between 1995 and 2009. Controlling for several factors, the results indicated that black women deemed to have a lighter skin tone received more lenient prison sentences and served less time behind bars. Personally, I love it when academics and researchers in the social sciences work to produce quantitative studies instead of more what are essentially fluffy op-ed, i.e. opinion pieces. And I feel like qualitative work has become so popular in the social sciences that a lot of people nowadays are starting to view them as if they were humanities, which is not the case. Maybe I get defensive about this because I was a social science major, but seriously, it is possible to have data-based discourse in fields like psychology and political science and especially economics. With that being said though, especially when compared to the hard sciences, it is a lot more difficult to get accurate data in the social sciences because people and economies don't exist in sterile, closed-off lab conditions. In the social sciences, there are just so many variables to control for, some of which you may not be able to accurately quantify that it's just, it's very easy to get bad data from a study. And frankly, I think the study that Francesca mentions is an example of this. Asking individual correctional officers whether they deem certain inmates to be light-skinned or dark-skinned is not an objective or standard measure to go by. So right off the bat, I don't know how much weight we can put into this study. It's like I was saying at the beginning of this video. It's really hard to quantifiably say what is light or dark skin when it comes to black people. And that's not even to mention how inherently difficult it is to quantify anything to do with the criminal justice system because there are so many different factors that might influence how long a person serves. Things like your lawyer, past criminal history, whether you pled guilty or not, whether you went to court in an urban or rural environment, there, there are so many things and it is notoriously difficult to try and compare situations when it comes to sentencing. But you know what, fine, let's for a minute assume that it is true that light-skinned black women do get less prison time than dark-skinned black women. Correlation does not equal causation. And when it comes to a possible sentencing disparity between light-skinned and deeper-skinned black women, there are other explanations besides bigotry that exist. Now this is a really subjective thing here and I can't even believe I'm like I'm talking about this, but if someone is a lighter skinned black person, whatever that means, then I guess it's safe to assume that they have a greater likelihood of having a white parent or maybe white grandparent. And I'm not bringing this up to say that like white people are inherently less prone to commit crimes or anything like that. And that just like transfers into light skinned black people. Okay, nothing like that, disclaimer. But statistically, white people are less likely to be impoverished than black people. And poverty does affect likelihood to commit crime. According to the University of Washington, interracial couples with a black and white partner on average lived in areas with poverty levels around 16%. Now, although that is still pretty high, it's substantially lower than the 21 0.2% rate of poverty that African Americans face in general. And look, saying that lighter skinned black people are more likely to be multiracial and therefore have different socioeconomic backgrounds on average than darker skinned black people is not an exact science, but that's what I'm saying. None of this is an exact science. From what I've seen, there just isn't enough supporting information to say, yep, the criminal justice system is targeting darker skinned black people because of their skin tone. And regarding Francesca's second point that darker skinned black people are just disadvantaged in like every way in the country, I think it's important to keep in mind that one of the most successful immigrant groups in America based on things like education and income level are Nigerian Americans. And I'm not saying that colorism isn't a thing like at all here, but saying that it's a big enough influence to actually be legit ruining some people's lives and making them stay in prison for longer? I don't know 
about that. The roots of this light versus dark inequality stem all the way back to the days of slavery, when lighter-skinned slaves, often the mixed children of white slave owners, aka the product of rape, aka you're not slick Thomas Jefferson, were given domestic work as opposed to the physical labor of darker slaves, thus landing higher on the skin tone hierarchy because of their proximity to whiteness. Now, while the skin tone hierarchy known as colorism is a byproduct of white supremacy, it's not just a white thing. Now, this is a part of the video that I feel many different types of way about. I do appreciate that Francesca tries to add historical context to this video, and it is true that historically speaking, lighter-skinned black people have been preferred over darker-skinned black people. But it kind of seems to me like she's saying that in the era of slavery in the United States, it was better to be a multiracial black person than just a straight-up black person, and I, I, I disagree with that. In the past, Interracial relationships were one of the biggest taboos imaginable. They were illegal until not that long ago, even in the United States. So with that in mind, how do you think society would have looked upon the products of those scandalous relationships, i.e. biracial children? The truth is, being biracial back then, and some would even argue now, isn't just being a little bit closer to whiteness, it's being rejected by both groups, being neither white nor black. And while I do think it's a good thing that Francesca acknowledged the role that non-white communities play in enforcing colorism, the fact that she tries to tie it all back to white supremacy is, in my opinion, kind of a way of saying, yeah, non-white communities can be prejudiced, but even then it's really because the white people started it first. Just kind of seems like we're shifting the blame back to whitey, even when we're talking about problems that don't relate to white people. And I know that Francesca's videos about light skin privilege revolve around black and Latino communities in the United States, but as someone who is Asian, let me tell you that colorism is not all the fault of white people. Light skin being seen as more desirable is absolutely a thing in Asian countries. In Asia, to make their skin look lighter, people use things like sunscreen to avoid getting any semblance of a tan, makeup, and there are even skin lightening products. Living in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Shanghai, I saw that type of thing all the time. And while some people in response to that might say, well, yeah, the Asians have also been affected by concepts of white supremacy and white colonialism, no. The quest for light skin in Asia dates back to way before white people ever set foot on the continent. You see, by and large, Asian societies are notoriously obsessed with social and economic class. They are classist. And dating back to antiquity, it was assumed that if you had darker skin, it was because you were a laborer and you were toiling away under the sun all day. The white face powder and paint that Asian cultures like the Japanese and the Chinese are known for using? Yeah, they're not trying to look like white people, they're trying to look like rich, pasty people who have no reason to be out in the sun. And to this day, a lot of Asian cultures still believe that lighter skin is more beautiful than deeper skin. This is why I'm not against having a conversation about colorism, but I just think that if we do, we probably shouldn't be demonizing or otherizing non-white minorities who do happen to have light skin. And we also probably shouldn't be trying to blame it all back on white people because, like it or not, not everything wrong is the fault of white people, but I would love to know what you guys think. Is colorism a real thing? And if so, what is the best way to address it? That's it for this video. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.